Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. So Hebrews 11. Um, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought um, God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one um, who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Thank you, Adam. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be in church together on a beautiful day, worshipping God. Well done to James for leading communion for the first time. Great effort, mate. So I appreciate you doing that and reminding us of what we remember at communion time. I want to start with a question this morning. The question is, who here has bungee jumped? Anybody? One person? Katie? few people? Very good. A few crazy people here this morning. Bungee jumping is something that I've done twice. I did it once in Kuala Lumpur, and I did another time on the Gold Coast. And one thing I can tell you about bungee jumping is this, that it looks a lot easier from the ground than it does standing on the platform. <laughs> a lot easier on the ground than standing on the platform. But if you do decide to bungee jump one day, you, you get to the point where you bite the bullet, and you make the decision that you're going to pay good money to jump off a perfectly good platform. Sounds like a good life decision, doesn't it? Anyways, one I made a couple of times, and like I said, well, it's easy from the ground. When you stand on the platform, it's not until you look over the edge that you realise just how high it actually is. It's a scary experience, and it's about that time that you start to have second thoughts, and you wonder to yourself, how did I end up standing here? The other thing you think about a lot is the rope tied around your ankles. I never thought about a rope as much as I did when I'm standing on the edge of the bungee jump. I started to think about things like, who made this rope? Did they know what they were doing? Have they got the tension just right? So before I smash down on the water, that it's going to bounce me up and keep me safe. Am I happy with the way my life turned out? What things do I regret? What about my family? What's going to happen with my kids? It's amazing the thoughts that go through your head when you think this could be the last minute of my life. And there you are standing on the platform, overwhelmed with fear, with questions in your head when you hear a voice. And the voice goes like this. Three, two, one. And when you hear that last number, you're faced with a decision. The decision is, am I going to jump or am I going to stay here crippled by fear standing on the ledge. You'll be happy to know that your fearless pastor jumped both times (laughs) when I got to one. But I often reflect on whether I would have if I hadn't have jumped when I heard that voice. If I had waited and they said three, two, one, and they had to count again, I wonder whether I would have jumped at all. There are many people that have been bungee jumping before and they've had good intentions and they've paid their money and they've gone all the way up to the top of the jump only to be paralyzed by fear and have to climb their way all the way back down while everyone watches. And what those people don't understand and have never really experienced is that the exciting part of bungee jumping always occurs once you've left the platform. Not climbing back down, 
but jumpy. Yes, it's the scariest part, but between the platform and the bounce is what you pay the money for. And the feeling of relief when the rope stops you from instantly meeting your maker is something that is, you'll never forget. It's incredible. It's a feeling of relief. It's a feeling of achievement as you realize that the rope had you all along. Most people will never experience that feeling because they never leave the platform. In fact, most people will never make their way to the platform because they prefer to stay safe, firmly planted on the ground, wondering what it might be like to jump. This morning, we're continuing our value series. We're up to week seven. And today, we're talking about faith. Faith is a really important topic. I must admit that I found it hard to preach on this morning because it is so broad. But this morning, we're going to talk about faith. And I want to start by talking about the greatest step of faith. And we've talked about it already this morning around communion. But the greatest step of faith you'll ever take is that step when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord. It's the biggest step of faith you'll take. It's the greatest step you'll ever take. The Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned. I think if you know yourself, you know that to be true. And because of that, we all fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin in our lives, we find ourselves separated from a God who is holy because he is holy and we are not. And if we are left to our own devices, that is how it will remain forever. And yet God is a God of love and he pursues us. And the gospel is is wrapped up in one verse very succinctly in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes him will not perish but will have eternal life. And so the greatest act of love is that God gave his one and only Son for us, that Jesus came from heaven to earth, he lived a perfect life here on earth, and then he died on the cross not for his sin but for yours and for mine. And the good news of the gospel is this, that when we put our faith, when we step out in faith and trust Jesus, our sin, everything we've done wrong, is transferred from us and is put on Christ, who at the cross paid the price for our sin. And at the same time, as we hand our sins over to Jesus and we're forgiven for those, he hands us back in return the righteousness of his son. We are declared innocent before God and we step back into relationship with God the Father. That is the glorious news of the gospel. And that is the greatest step of faith you will ever take. In fact, it's the only step of faith you'll ever take that all eternity hinges on. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have not taken that step to put your faith in Jesus, what are you waiting for? He's here this morning. He's speaking to you. He loves you. And I want to encourage you to trust in him. But this morning, I want to think about what happens after we've put our trust in Jesus. Because the moment we put our faith in him is not the end of the journey, is it? It's like the starting gun. It's the start of the race. And that first step of faith is the first step of many other steps of faith that God will invite us to take throughout our lives. At Follow, we want to be a church that lives by faith. On our website... On our values page, you'll find the bit there about faith. And it says this. It says, we will think big, believe big, and live big because our God is big. We are people fueled by faith, knowing God can, God does, and God will. We have a God-given confidence to trust, believe, and depend on him. We are people of faith. It's a wonderful declaration, isn't it? But I wonder as you look at the screen this morning, whether that statement describes you. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you a person who lives by faith in him every day, 
in the big decisions and even in the small decisions of life? Do you have an unwavering confidence in God that is reflected in your life? Are you someone who believes that God can do the impossible? Do you in your heart of hearts believe that God has got great plans for his people, not just one day in eternity, but right now? Do you believe that God could use you to make an eternal difference in the lives of people he has placed you with? Do you think big, believe big, and live big because you know how big your God is? Are you fueled by faith, knowing God can, does, and will act according to his promises? Are you a person of faith? Well, this morning, if you're being honest with yourself, is that the opposite of what you are? Are you someone who's simply going through the motions? And really, if you're honest, you're not expecting or believing for much at all. Life's a little bit like Groundhog Day. You wake up in the morning and you go to work and you come home and you watch Netflix and you go to bed. And when the alarm goes off the next morning, you just press repeat on life. Maybe if you're honest, you haven't grown spiritually for years. You don't really see God moving in your life. And maybe you've never really stepped out in faith and taken a risk because you're comfortable and safe with your feet planted on the ground. Maybe you're used to just living in the familiar. Or your focus is more on your own personal needs and desires than it is on God, because at least you can control those things. I wonder which set of these statements best describes your life. These are good things to consider on a regular basis when it comes to our Christian walk, because I think faith is a little bit like bungee jumping. I think God wants us to find ourselves back up on that platform over and over again, listening for his voice and being willing to obediently step out in faith when we hear him speak. I wonder what areas of your life God is wanting you to stretch your faith in this morning. Is it the area of generosity that Craig spoke about last weekend? Is it in your leadership? God wants you to step up and to lead in a more effective way. Is it in your relationships? Maybe you've been in a relationship that is just not working and there's tension and there's breakdown and God's asking you to recommit and you need to trust him afresh in that area. Is it in the area in which you serve the Lord? In what areas of your life is it time to once again leave the platform and trust God? Because I think God desires us to be people who trust him. We only get one shot at this life, and Hebrews chapter 11 commends those who took that one shot at life, and they used it to be people who lived by faith. They may not have been comfortable. In fact, as you read through their story, you'll see that they were very uncomfortable. But what they were is faithful. They were people who lived by faith. This is what they were commended for, and this is what I believe we can be commended for as well. Because I don't believe God wants us to be spectators watching other people as they step off the platform living by faith while we stay safe on the ground, wondering what it could be like to truly trust God. I think God wants us to believe in him for the miraculous in our lives. This is why faith is one of our values as a church. So my prayer today is this, that you will leave this place uh, with a greater vision of God, that you'd be believing more, hoping for more, expecting for more, trusting for more, because you have a fresh vision of who God really is. Hebrews 11 is a well-known part of the New Testament. It's commonly referred to as the faith chapter or the faith hall of fame. And it's called that because it highlights the lives of people who live by faith. And as you read that whole chapter in your own time, you'll see that each of their stories starts with the same two words. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 
And the chapter starts in a very helpful way by defining faith for us. And I think it's the greatest definition of faith ever written, and it helps us to be clear on what faith is from a biblical perspective. And it says this, now faith is confidence. In another version, it says faith is being sure of. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it is assurance about what we do not see. That's a great definition of faith. And so if this is a definition of faith from a biblical perspective, how do we go about living by faith? This morning I want to share these three steps around how we can be people who live by faith. And as we do that, I want you to keep that definition in mind. I think the first thing, if we want to be people who live by faith, is that we need to be people who seek God. We need to be people who seek God. If faith requires us to trust for things that we can't yet see, then we're going to need God to help us to know what steps to take along the way. And that only happens when we know him and hear his voice. I think most of us here would say, if I was to ask you this morning, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, most of us would say, well, of course. I want to know what God's will is for my life. But the truth is, I think that there are many Christians that actually just don't know God well enough to recognize his voice. You know, we might read the Bible once a month and we might come to church whenever it's convenient. We might even pray in times of crisis. But we don't, if we're honest with ourselves, really invest in a daily, vibrant, real relationship with God. I wonder this morning, when's the last time that you asked God what he wanted you to do? And I mean really ask. Not with preconceptions or conditions attached or even a particular end in mind. When's the last time you genuinely stopped and asked God what he wants you to do with your life? I think it's easy for our lives to kind of go into autopilot. where We just do the same thing day after day, over and over again, without ever really risking disruption by asking God that all-important question, God, what is your will for my life? Because if God is truly at the center of our lives, if he is our foundation and our number one priority, and if the step of faith to trust Jesus is the first of many steps of faith, then I think this should be a question that we should be asking daily as we seek him. God wants us to be people who seek him, and I think scripture makes that very clear. Here's some passages. 1 Chronicles 22 verse 19 says, Now devote, it's a strong word, devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Jeremiah 29 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Psalm 9.10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for the Lord, for you, Lord, have never, ever forsaken those who seek you. And then, of course, in today's passage, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we want to know what God wants us to do with our lives, it actually comes from knowing him, and knowing him comes from seeking him every day in our lives. This is why seeking God is such an important step to becoming people who live by faith. And so I wonder this morning, what does it actually mean to seek God? Well, in the original Greek language, the phrase earnestly seek is translated as crave, investigate, or beg. There's a desperation element to it. In the summary statement in the Strong's Concordance, it says to earnestly seek is to seek out for oneself, to beg, or once again to crave. 
I must admit, as I was reading through those descriptions, I was captured by the word crave. Because I think it's a word that all of us can connect with. If you've uh, ever been pregnant, you'll probably know what it's like to have strange cravings. In one of the pregnancies, Kim craved dim sims. In another one, she craved crunching ice. In another one, she craved chocolate. No, actually, that's just every day. That wasn't pregnancy, that one. But the other ones are these strange cravings. And I think all of us have different cravings when it comes to food at different times. Uh, Dave Young and I uh, are in agreement that when it comes to the food that's going to be served in heaven, we'll be getting raisin toast with crunchy peanut butter on top. And so you'll go there for breakfast and they'll serve up raisin toast with crunchy peanut butter. And then you'll go back at lunchtime, you'll say, what's for lunch? And they'll say, raisin toast with crunchy peanut butter. And you'll go, yes. And then you'll have anticipation at dinner time. And you'll go back and you'll say, what's for dinner? And they'll say, raisin toast with a double layer of melted, crunchy peanut butter. And it's that moment that you will know for sure that you are in heaven. For those that are screwing up their nose at me this morning, it's only because you've never tried it. You've never stepped out in faith. You've never taken that knife, dipped it in the peanut butter and lavished it on the raisin toast. Because if you tried it, you'd know when we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I've got to admit, there are occasions where I'll be working at my desk, usually preparing a servant, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I have an irresistible craving for peanut butter on raisin toast. Now, I've got to be honest, when I have a craving like that, I have never thought to myself, yeah, I'll have that next week. I've never thought, ah, oh, in a few hours, if I can be bothered, I'll get up and I'll take care of that craving. No, no, no. Before I even know it, almost automatically, I'm up out of my seat, I'm walking down the stairs, I'm going into the pantry, I'm grabbing out the raisin toast, I'm taking at least two of those suckers and I'm putting them in the toaster, and then they're popping up, and then I'm lathering the peanut butter on there, and then I'm, I'm scoffing it down really quick and thinking about the next time that I'll do it, probably in another minute after that. Why do I do that? Because I had a craving. I was desperate. I felt like I needed it. I wouldn't put it off. I wouldn't stop until that craving was met. I wonder, when was the last time we felt that desperate for God? Psalmist puts it like this in Psalm 42. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And I must confess this week, I've been asking God to give me this sort of desire. Because it's easy to wake up every morning, to check Facebook, to have some breakfast, and to think about the to-do list before we even give God a second thought. When's the last time we wake up in the morning with a genuine craving to know God more? Today, Lord, I want to know you. I'm hungry for your word. I'm desperate for your presence. My soul thirsts for you. God, show me more of who you are today. My granddad's here this morning. He's uh, 94 years of age now. 95 very soon, in a few days. And I go and uh, visit him at his lifestyle village down in Druin. It's a bit of a luxury resort down there. And I, I go and visit him from time to time. And I rarely walk into his room where I don't find him with his head down at his desk with the word of God open and him scribbling pages of notes. And then when I get there, I say, how are you going? And then he just launches into a tirade on everything that God's teaching him, everything that God's showing him. This morning he cornered me when he got here and he said, 
I just looked at the Sermon on the Mount and God has shown me things about it for the first ever time. He's given me a message. I had to write it down. I'm going to preach it. And I said, do you want to preach this morning? He said, no. I said, oh, okay. Um, I'll keep going. And I'm inspired. Because you would think you'd get to 94 years of age. You think, yeah, well, I've read the Bible many times. I know everything I need to know about God. But the thing about the Word of God is it's living and active. The thing about God is that we can never mind the treasures of His love and His goodness and His grace. And every day as we come to Him, He shows us new things about Himself, and it's wonderful. And I hope and pray that, God willing, I get to 94 years of age, that I'll have the same passion and the same insatiable desire and hunger to know God like my granddad does. Because he's a God worth knowing. If we're going to be people who live by faith, knowing what God wants us to do with our lives, we first need to know who he is. And knowing what to do in life always flows directly from knowing who God is. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is found in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 4. And it says this, it says, Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, as we look at a verse like that on a page, I think our eyes gravitate to the second part of the verse. Yes, I'm going to get the desires of my heart, that new car, the promotion, the breakthrough, the life partner. And we focus on that thinking, God's going to give me the desires of my heart. But the thing we misunderstand sometimes about a scripture like that is that that's not our job. Our job's the first part of the verse. It's to delight in the Lord. And so we've got to get busy delighting in the Lord. And the ironic thing that happens is this, that when we delight in the Lord, when we seek God, His desires actually become our desires. And it's those desires that come to pass according to His will. And the ironic thing is this, that when those desires come to pass in our life, they'll bring more joy and more fulfillment than any selfish desire will ever bring. And so we need to seek God. We need to delight in the Lord to find our pleasure and our salvation in Him. This is why we must seek God. Because if we don't know Him, our desires will always be selfish desires rather than God's will. But as we seek Him and come to know and love Him, then we'll start to hear and recognize His voice and therefore know what He wants us to do and how we are to live by faith. Most of you would know that the theme of follow this year has been change for growth. Hopefully there's been some change for growth in your personal life this year. I know there's been certainly some growth for us as a church. The number of things that have happened, we've rewritten and adopted a new constitution. We've got a new leadership structure with elders and operations and ministry directors, and that's working really well. We've employed new staff. Uh, Leanne just started last week, which is wonderful. We're soon to be commencing a building project. But really the next step for us is to relook at the long-term vision of follow. In 2016, the eldership decided to seek God in prayer for a vision for the next 10 years. And we did this prayerfully and we did it trying to hear God's voice. And it was always going to be something that was fluid. But in this vision, God showed us some things that he wanted us to do. And so in this original vision document here in Officer, God was saying that he wants us to grow here, to reach people in this community. He talked to us about building a new facility for worship and for training and for community impact. In that document, we read about further church planning in the southeast of Melbourne, all the way from Warrigal, all the way back to Clyde. And it included further mission, included further mission both locally, interstate, and overseas. Well, next year, I believe it's time to revisit that vision, 
through prayer and collective discernment of both the leadership team and the membership as a whole. We'll probably do a similar process that we did with the Constitution where we'll have some community nights, some um, membership forums where we can input and pray together. But whatever we do, when we go through that process, it must be underpinned by faith. And it needs to start by seeking God, seeking God in prayer, because we don't just want good ideas, we want God ideas. God, what do you want us to do with everything you've given us, with all the time and the treasure and the talent that you've placed in a congregation like this? What are you calling us to do in this community? Because church, I don't believe it's an accident that we're here. I think God's called us to be an officer and he wants to use us to do uh, incredible things in his name, to see people, hundreds, maybe thousands of people come to know him in the next few years. And for me, that's an incredibly exciting possibility. When we first put that document together, most people were really excited about it. But some people weren't so excited, particularly about the church planting part. They said things like, We've got enough to do at our own church, let alone worrying about other churches in other areas. I just love what we saw in the video a minute ago about what's happening overseas with church planting and churches planting in in new villages where people haven't heard the gospel. And why should we be any less passionate about planting in places where gospel churches are needed? It's exciting, isn't it, to see what's happened here in office. It could happen in other parts of the southeast of Melbourne and beyond. One accusation towards the vision is that we had our head in the clouds. And of course, that was meant to be an insult, but for me, that was one of the greatest compliments I could ever get, because I'd rather have my head in the clouds, trusting in God by faith, than have a vision that we could accomplish without him. Life Church is the biggest church in the US. It's led by a guy called Craig Rochelle. It has 33 campuses, 85,000 people on a weekend. And they talk about faith being one of their values. And this is what he says about faith. He says, we are faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm, risk-takers. We'll never insult God with small thinking and safe living. I love that last statement. We'll never insult God with small thinking and safe living. You see, any God-given vision for a church has got to be God-sized. We don't want to end up with a vision book that we look at and we go, yeah, we can do that. Because that kind of vision won't honour God and it's not worth the paper it's written on. I don't believe that's the kind of vision that will flow from heaven as we seek him. I pray that he'll give a vision to us that we will look at and think that's impossible. If God doesn't come through, if he doesn't provide, then there is no hope of that happening. If we can look at a vision and see how it's going to happen, it's not really faith at all, is it? Because faith is not only being sure of what we hope for, it's being certain of what we cannot yet see. Bible tells us to be people who live by faith and not by sight. And when we live by sight, what happens is we fail to see God. So I pray that it will be the kind of vision that will cause every one of us to consider our time, our talents, our treasure, because it's going to require all of us on the ledge, listening and obeying his voice as we sacrifice for something that's so much bigger than us. It's the sort of vision that comes only comes about by seeking God in prayer on what he wants to do. And so step one in living by faith is to seek God both individually for our lives and corporately for our mission together. The second step is the step itself. If we're going to be people that live by faith, we need to be people who step out. So I said before, when you bungee jump, you can get up there on the platform and you can hear the three, two, one. But by far the hardest part of the whole experience is the moment that you have to step out. Now, you can make your way up to the top. You can hear the voice, but the hardest part 
is taking the step. And I think it's exactly the same with faith. We can seek God. We can learn to recognize his voice. And that's a wonderful thing to be in relationship with God at that sort of depth. But the hardest thing is always obedience. I think we can all think of times when we heard God's voice. We felt God was speaking to us. But because of fear, we didn't obey. Probably because we didn't know what would happen if we did. We couldn't see what may occur. Maybe it's the time you felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit to share your faith with a co-worker or a loved one. But you were so afraid of what they'd think or what other people would think that you just chose to say nothing. Perhaps it was a time when you felt led to change career or to start a business, but you weren't sure what it would mean for your future, so you stayed just doing what was comfortable. We can all probably remember a time when we, we saw someone in need and we wanted to help, but we were worried about the time commitment of stepping out, and so we did nothing at all. Or a time in life when you thought God was asking you to be generous, but when you counted the cost, it just felt like too much. I think all of us can think of a time, and you can think of your own time this morning, when you got to the edge and you heard God's voice, but you just couldn't, or more to the point, you wouldn't step out. So the question is, when we hear God's voice, will we follow with obedience despite what it may cost us? I think Hebrews 11 is full of characters who did. Consider a character like Noah, for example. God went to Noah and said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? It's a big boat. Okay, but there's no rain. I just want you to build an ark because the rain's going to come and I'm going to flood the earth. He had a choice right there to go, that's crazy, that can't possibly be God, or step out in faith. And he stepped out and for a hundred years he built a boat while everyone else around ridiculed him until the moment that the rain started to fall. He stepped out by faith. What about Abram? He was called by God to leave his country, his people, his father's household, everything that was important to him. And go to a land that God would show him. But before he could see that land, he had to step out. Or Moses, who led God's people out of Egypt through the Red Sea at the risk of his own life. But if he was ever going to reach the promised land, he had to first step out. This chapter has story after story of characters who only ever experienced the faithfulness of God because when they heard his voice, they stepped out by faith. In Hebrews 11, there are 17 different people mentioned by name and many others who aren't mentioned by name. They are both men and women. They range from heroes of the faith to prostitutes, from patriarchs to prisoners. And it includes the everyday people of God who are unnamed like you and me. And as we read their stories, we see that God did incredible things in and through their lives. But the one thing they all had in common is that for any of that to occur, to occur they first had to take a step of faith, trusting in what they could not see. This is what they were commended for. I've had times in my own life when I've allowed my fears to stop me from stepping out. There's been many times when I didn't trust God enough, when I was too afraid about what might or what might not happen if I was to obey him. Before I said that when it came to bungee jumping, I'm not sure that I would have ever left the platform if I didn't do it when I heard his voice, heard the voice. And maybe for some of you here this morning, you feel a bit that way when it comes to faith. You've never really got to that point where you take a risk to trust God in your life. And so because you've always just sort of stayed paralyzed on the ledge, you, you just don't know if you can live by faith. And if that's you, I, I really hope today that, that God's challenging you to be a person who trusts him. 
A person that not only seeks him, but a person who steps out when you hear his voice. Because verse 6 of this passage says, without faith it's impossible to please God. He wants us to be people who trust in him over and over again. And so while there are times, many times, where I've clearly been disobedient, there are other times in life when I have heard God's voice and I've stepped out in faith. One of those occasions is when we plan to follow. Kim and I felt clearly that God was calling us to come out and plant a church. And it was confirmed in many different ways. But the scariest part is always the part when you've got to take that step, to step off the ledge, to go into that area that you can't yet see. I didn't know most of you people at that time. I couldn't see you standing in front of me. And so I had to step out with a promise from God and say, okay, God, you've called me to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if anyone else is going to be passionate about this mission to reach the officer region and beyond. I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide for my family. But Lord, I believe that you've spoken to me. You've spoken to my wife. You've confirmed it. And so we're going to step out and we're going to trust in the things that we don't yet see. I think we can look around today and you can look at the people around you. Some wonderful people gathered here this morning. I think we can confidently say that even though we've only just scratched the surface, the answer to those questions is yes. God has been faithful to us. Every time we've stepped out in faith, he has proven himself faithful and he's provided for us in extraordinary ways. And so if he's done it in the past, then guess what? We should believe that he's going to do it again in the future. That's what faith is. And it's been really great to enjoy those things corporately, but I believe that God wants each of us to have a personal experience of this as well as we step out in our everyday lives. The greatest blessing, of course, of all of this is to come to know God in deeper ways. And what I've learned is this, that it's between the platform and the bounce that you learn the most about God. See, when you bungee jump, once you step over the platform, you're at the mercy of things outside of your control. You're trusting the designer of the rope. You have faith in the instructor who set the tension. You are absolutely dependent on things that you can't see. When we step out in faith in our lives, it's exactly the same. It's not until we find ourselves in a place where we're fully dependent on God, where we learn about the depths of his faithfulness and his character. It's not until you feel the rope pull and you see that answer to prayer or that miracle in life or that provision or that fulfillment of a promise that you truly come to know God. And so if we're going to be people of faith, we need to be people who keep stepping out. But as we do that, finally this morning, we need to trust him. If we're going to live by faith, we need to be people who trust God. This morning you might be thinking, well, Luke, you've been talking about big steps of faith. And that all sounds exciting, and yeah, it's, that's good for other people, but I'm not sure I'm really ready for all of that. Maybe you're young in your faith, or perhaps you've never really taken even a small step, let alone thinking about taking a big one. Maybe you're not ready to think big, believe big, live big. Maybe your view of God's not that big. At the end of chapter 11, it outlines some of the things that were achieved by these people of faith. In verse 33, it says that they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. These are incredible miracles, incredible things that occurred in the lives of these ordinary people. But I can guarantee you this, 
that when they first stepped out in faith and trusted God, those incredible miracles were the things that they couldn't yet see. They only saw them after they stepped out and put their trust in God. Just recently come back from a trip over to the UK. We travelled around different parts of the UK, visiting different ministries that were happening and some of the extraordinary things that God was doing through these people. And as we sat with these various people, we heard stories of communities that had been completely transformed over generations of people who just faithfully served where God had called them to be. But as we sat with them and asked them their stories and heard parts of their journey, the thing that struck me the most on that trip is that not one single one of them was doing currently what they originally thought they'd be doing. They all took a small step. It all started with a small step. And God was faithful. And so when God was faithful, they took another small step. And then God was faithful. And when God was faithful, their their faith grew. Their understanding of God grew. So their step became bigger. And then God opened another door. And they stepped here. And then they stepped there. And now, in their current life, they're doing things that are absolutely extraordinary. But it doesn't start with a bungee jump style jump. It started with a small step. And even a bungee jump starts with a small step, doesn't it? You've got to step your way up to the top. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be people who take small steps. For some here this morning, in this place, God's challenging you to take a big step of faith. Maybe you are one of those people that you've got a big decision ahead of you. You feel like God's been speaking to you. You're hearing his voice. And it's a massive decision and you you feel like you want to step out, but, but you haven't done it yet. And I want to encourage you this morning to trust God. That if he's speaking to you, to step out and to trust him. But for many others here today, he's prompting you on the small step to take that first step. I spoke to Taylor yesterday and I asked her, what does it mean for you as a year 12 student to be a person who lives by faith? And she said to me, it's time management. I said, what do you mean time management? Well, she explained that this year, uh, in year 12, she's got a lot of study to do. She wants to do well in her results. But she made a decision at the start of this year that she was going to prioritise going to youth group every week. So every Friday night, she's been to youth group. She's there serving. She's there in leadership. And she's done that because she's trusting God that if she honours him, if she seeks first his kingdom and his righteousness, then he'll take care of the other stuff. And it was a, a small step, but a significant one. And her and others have grown in their faith because they've taken that step this year. Just yesterday, we had Lenny's seventh birthday. We did a barbecue at the park for him. And one of his friends is part of a Muslim family. And the whole family came to the party and the kids were running around. And I ended up sitting on a park bench with the mother and the father of this young boy. And I just started a conversation with them and I asked them about their life and their journey and then they asked me about mine and that was all going really well until I said I was a pastor. And then things went quiet for a a little while. But then it perked back up again and they started asking me more questions and and the end result is that there's going to be now a play date with our two sons at our house. And who knows where that conversation is going to go. But it was just a small step. I didn't do an altar call. (laughs) I didn't tell them the full gospel. I just started a conversation. It was a small step. Maybe God today is prompting you in your life to take a small step. You know, I think the danger of reading scriptures that we can look at people and we can overemphasize how amazing they are, but they're really just ordinary people who God used to do extraordinary things. Even the apostles. 
in the New Testament who did extraordinary things. They went right throughout the world, turning it upside down, boldly declaring the gospel at the risk of their own life. But we need to understand that they didn't start as anybody other than someone who was ordinary. In fact, they lacked faith on many occasions. In Luke 17, they realized that they were lacking faith and they said to Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. The point he's making is this, it's not the size of your faith that's important, it's the size of your God. This is why I believe the writer of Hebrews, before he tells us about any of these heroes of the faith, or shows us any of the things that were achieved in their lives, he first reminds us of the bigness of God. We see it in verse 3. He says, by faith, this is you and me, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. It's incredible power, isn't it? In my household, when I just speak the word, my daughters obey. (laughs) Who am I kidding? They don't listen to a thing I say. But how's this power? At God's word, he formed the entire universe. From what was not visible, God spoke, and we see everything we see now, the glory of his creation that cries out about the creator. This guy reminds us of the God who we put our faith in. That he's the creator of the universe. That he's the all-powerful God. From nothing that was visible, he created everything. This is the God we serve. This is the God that we can trust. He's not a little God. He's a ginormous God. Scripture tells us he's faithful. He's loving and kind. His arm is not too short to provide for our needs. His mercies are new every morning. He's abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He can do all things. And the question I want to finish with today is this. If he created everything we see from nothing, if he created all of this from what was not visible, then what can he do in our lives even if we don't yet see how it's possible? We've always said at Follow that we are a Bob the Builder church. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Why? Because we have a God who can do all things. So let's never be a church that settles. Let's never be a church that just does a weekend and just meanders on through life, having fun and not giving God a second thought during the week. Let's be a church that continues to trust him, to be sure of what we hope for and to be certain of what we don't yet see. As we continue to be people of faith, let's seek, let's step and let's trust. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are, just thank you so much that you are an absolutely incredible God. We don't have the syllables. We don't have the words. We don't have the descriptors to describe who you are. You are glorious and magnificent and all-powerful in every way. And Lord, we can't even get our brains around you. Our brains are so small and yet you are so magnificent. And so where our brains fail us, we step into a realm called faith. Today we choose afresh to put our faith in your son Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and for the hope of eternal life. But each and every day we put our faith in you as a God who can do all things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lift our eyes from our circumstances to the God who is over all of them. Lord, I pray that we would be in Ephesians 3.20 church, that we would look back in years to come and we would say that God has done immeasurably more than we could ever hope dream or imagine according to his power at work 
within us. Lord, I pray that we would see miracles. I pray that we would see salvations. I pray that we would see new works in new areas. And I pray that you would get the glory every time we do. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I pray for each individual that we wouldn't be people that just stand on the ledge wondering what it would be like to trust you, but that we would be people who put our faith in you in every circumstance of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.